0: hey what's up I'm here with Alex Ledesma Uh, say hi Alex hello hey uh, Alex uh, I guess the best way to describe you is you're a political activist Um, you're the only Trump supporter that I'm aware of that lives in the Madison area I've never met any other I literally don't think they exist so
1: I was telling you earlier that I'm a unicorn in the city
0: right yeah yeah can you get it a little bit closer to your face Oh yeah, that's much better. Awesome. Great.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, you're a Madison unicorn. <laughs> the other day, I was on a date, and this is something I don't tell people right away, because who wants to go on a first date and be like, "Oh, by the way, I like Trump." Right. Yeah. 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 I was on a date, and you know, I thought to myself, "Well, might as well just get it out now, because <laughs> if I don't let them know now." it's going to cause this big mess, this awkward situation. So then I told this, per- this individual, I said, Hey, um, by the way, let's talk politics.
0: Instantly. That was the first thing on the date you, you threw on the table. That was, that's a horrible <laughs> idea, Alex.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> these are interesting dates. Like, right. on. And this individual said, Oh yeah, I don't like Bernie Sanders. I'm like, really? That's interesting. Why is that? So we just started talking right off the back. And I said, well, um, I happen to like Trump's policies. And this individual, all of a sudden, just sort of, they were very interested mm-hmm. in what I had to say. So I, I figured if I just go ahead and open it like that, I'll save myself trouble. And what was their reaction to it? Uh, this person was very interested with what I had to say. So yeah. Awesome. We're not talking anymore. But. Oh no. But it's not because of politics? <laughs> it's though? not because of politics. Oh, yeah. That's good. So have you had a lot of
0: like negative reactions to your political stances living in this area?
1: In Madison, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I had my car keyed before. This is when I, had, when I was driving a 2001 Pontiac. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember those hatchback cars. Yeah, I know. That yeah. opened up. You could camp out on them. Um, I had political stickers on them. This is back in 2016 mm-hmm. when President Trump won. I just decided to show my opinions <laughs> with bumper mm-hmm. stickers. I had one that said, um, less government, more freedom. Mm -hmm. another one that said socialism sucks that was from tp usa um when they were going this was before they went off the rails and then i had one that said um what did it say well the point is they were political
0: very clear who your political party was right Right.
1: and every time i went and parked in college camp in my college campus i Mm -hmm. would come back and people would do things like they would get a sharpie and write on them or they would put plastic hands on uh, behind the wheels or something. And one time they tried to take the lug nuts off my off my car. And I thought to myself, well, this is getting serious. People are really. Yeah, that could t- you could die from that. And uh, I thought about putting cameras in the car. But then right. I thought to myself, I can't I can't live like that, right? I'm not going to back down just because someone is offended with my opinions. And uh, the worst thing that has happened though um, was someone did try to basically run the car over, and there was damage to the car when I went back out. And you, oh, someone hit your car while like while you were gone. Someone hit my car while I was. And I thought to myself, well, it's time to get a new car. Sure, yeah, at that <laughs> but point. this time I don't have any political stickers on.
0: So, I mean, has that sort of taught you a lesson in that there's a certain time and place to express your, your political beliefs?
1: There is. <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, closeted conservatives. Sure, yeah. Especially in Madison. And um, I don't blame them. Mm-hmm we live in a culture of violence sure i think it's caused by the democrat party when you have maxine waters saying go right. up to their face and yell at them this and that uh, to be frank actually i would actually say that's
0: one of the reasons i don't like trump like is because i don't necessarily think the best way to have discourse with people is to antagonate them and i think that he does that and it pushes a, like people to become more violent against him. Uh, Not to say that like, uh, yeah, that's just one of the
1: main reasons why I don't personally like him. Like, yeah, I don't know. I understand that. Yeah. He's not presidential. Let's say, right. But then again, you know, when we live in a society where people believe someone's delusion that they're a woman, mm -hmm. in fact, that they have a 12 inch long penis and they want to pee in the girl's restroom in high school. When we start to give into that, then all, all things are off limits now. There's no such thing as a president who's presidential.
0: So, yeah, when you're looking at that, you feel that it's appropriate to be a crash jerk when, when those are the things that are at stakes. Is that kind of what you're trying to say?
1: Yeah, you know, some people are don't like it. I think it's part of the plan to be that way. Mm-hmm. It's working. People hate I mean, it. I'm not going to say he isn't effective at doing what he said he was going
0: to do. Like, I think that's one of the big things about Donald Trump that as someone who's always been interested in politics, he's been one of the few politicians I've ever seen who is, is actively doing what he said he was his campaign promises, which is mind blowing. Like even if I don't necessarily agree with all of his, like what he wanted, it's still impressive that like he's able to, to get the stuff done that he said he was going to get done.
1: Agreed. Uh, I'm still not a Trump groupie though. I can point out his weaknesses and his strengths. Sure. Yeah. And for example, the wall, he's failed tremendously on that. Immigration failed tremendously. There's some things that he needs to work. What,
0: on. Uh, what would you have rather him seen him do on immigration?
1: <clears throat> I do think that he should step up the game, um, uh, cutting funding with sanctuary cities. That's one thing that he is working on. So I, I agree with what he's doing there. Um, visas. Mm-hmm. I think we shouldn't just hand them out freely like handy. I think that you should be a skilled worker able to come to this country and contribute. Um, just because you're coming from a shitty country doesn't mean that you get a visa off the back. Um, that doesn't no one should have that no one should have that privilege. It shouldn't be a privilege to live in the United States. You know, it's interesting too, and I was, we were talking about this earlier, uh,
0: when I first met you in, in my life it was a very like paradigm shifting experience. Um, and, and one thing too, uh, that I thought was always really interesting when I learned it was, uh, George Bush actually, uh, he, The last time we ever saw like true immigration reform in the country was when George Bush was president. And it was also, they were supposed to pass it like a week before 9-11 happened and then 9-11 happened and you know, we weren't doing any immigration reform at all. Um, But George Bush uh, was, he helped put the policy uh, in place for migrant workers so that people could cross the border to like work for a little bit, to make money and then come back. And that's not something you would expect a Republican to be involved with. It was really like shocking for me. And like, oh, you don't really understand the political process. Like I'm talking about myself. Like you, you're not really getting what's going on here. Like the way that everyone says everything is, is not the truth. Like the world is messy. It's, it's,
1: it's it's all over the place. Absolutely. I think Republicans are also to blame for this uh, giant mess that we're in with, are a broken immigration system. They love cheap labor. Corporate America loves cheap labor, and Democrats they just want open borders. Mm-hmm. So they're both. Both parties are to blame for what we are in now.
0: I had some liberal friends that um, we were arguing got about this, and uh, I said something about you know that's the one thing that really bugs me is in today's state of politics is it's it's two extremes. So it's either. Build a wall or have no borders. It's like any sensible person is like, what the fuck are we doing? Like this is insanity. Like we need to have borders, for, um, f- even for like things like the coronavirus or disease, like or or you know, trade agreements. Like all this stuff need we need to have defined border boundaries. Um, and my one of my liberal friends, he said, well, you know, th- there's a lot of uh, e- economic work and economic studies that show that open borders would be incredibly profitable and prosperous for everybody. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. Which is interesting, but like economists don't really put into consideration disease, Hmm. disease outbreak or pandemics or things like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like a nonsensical position to me to not have borders. Um, the wall, I think it, it, I can see why you would want that. Um, I don't necessarily like I'm more of a fan of increasing uh giving more jobs to border security and maybe have more drones which is what was kind of like the democrat policy for a long time until this huge shift over to the abolish ICE and all border stuff that like I'm like what the fuck
1: Yeah let's man a uh, government agency while we while we're at it Right yeah yeah I don't know uh, another thing too that I always thought was
0: interesting about the the wall um, was that <clears throat> you know most at least in within my lifetime and your lifetime because you're a little bit younger than I am for sure we have been at war with a country you know
1: what uh, is it 15 years
0: yeah it's crazy um, and but there's also uh, a political belief or a belief within within uh, political, uh groups of people, uh, that think that if we're at war, it's beneficial for the society, it creates jobs for people because we go to a different country, demolish everything. Then we send in our construction workers to go in and build everything up. And, you know, we make a shit ton of profit off of all of this by the
1: weapon sales and all that stuff. Um, and it helps the economy. This is why I like President Trump. He's, well, no one really agrees with this. When I talk, especially with Republican friends of mine, they don't see it the way I do. Mm -hmm. He's going after the military, the military industrial complex. When um, about seven months ago, the last time I saw you, there was this whole conflict with, oh, we're going to go to war with Syria, And then all of a sudden Trump said, okay, you know what? I'm not going to bomb them. And this was when he was in the room with his uh, military um, uh, advisors, mm-hmm. he said, he basically played them. He was on the verge of saying, yes, let's bomb, the- bomb the shit out of them. And then all of a sudden he said, he backed out. He was trolling them. He was completely trolling them. And he understands this. He always talks about bringing our troops home. And that's what I love about him. He's so real about it. He doesn't want war.
0: Anymore. He he is definitely uh, pooling more money into the military-industrial complex, though. I mean, he while is. he is uh, putting America in less, and it seems like he isn't pushing any major war, more like uh, sending troops to help Syria with certain things or like... Uh, Increased drone bombing. I mean, he's the drone more people than Obama did. I think that's just has more to do with technology than anything Just the access of technology Um, but uh, Yeah, that is another thing about Trump that I don't completely hate is that he he has sort of toned back the rhetoric of uh, America going at war with the rest of the world or being the war the world police like I think that's great um and I always saw the wall as sort of like a public works uh, program to, to get all those construction workers that would go to another country and rebuild their uh, economy or rebuild their buildings that we've demolished. And you take those people and give them a job building a wall is essentially what I, what, where I was like, okay, uh, that isn't the worst idea in the world. Um, I think that, it does also send a bad image though uh, of america to mexico and and that's even you think so oh yeah i think it i think it does and, and on top of the fact that it's not even mexico's not even the issue it's not mexicans who are pouring through the border in mass numbers it's uh it's like uh South American countries south of Mexico that are coming up whose economies we've demolished over the last uh I don't know 50 60 years through That's interesting. through imperialism through well through uh there's a book I think it's called Tales of an Economic Hitman have you ever heard about this before? I have not. Uh so it's this guy and he was contracted by our government to go into South American countries and extort their uh natural resources for cheap. So they'd go in there and loan obscene amounts of money to these companies through the world bank and be like, Hey, you can have as much money as you need, pull it through, putting them in these loan situations where it was absolutely impossible for them to ever pay it back. So they're like, well, what we'll do is if you give us a deal on all your oil and your minerals and and all, of the, all of the earth extracts we can get out of you, then, uh, We'll just let the loans go.
1: That's fascinating. I'll have to look into that. I'm sure that it happened, um, just like Russia and China loaned a lot of money to Venezuela. Yeah, yeah. And they're in the mess that they are. In. Mm-hmm. I personally have a different view of it. Think it sends a bad message to Latin America, um, Mexico. They have a system um, based with it's called. Um, <clears throat> th- they have a, a system based on uh, with uh, state mercantilism. Mm-hmm. which basically means that you are nothing without government permission. My family, they try They owned businesses in Mexico and they had a hard time. Um, uh, owning up to those businesses and actually keeping up with the books and this and that because the government just kept on regulating their small business so they couldn't compete in the free market with bigger businesses who had connections with the government. So government officials have, you know, let's say there's a brother of a, a, a politician who wants a, a handout so that, that politician's obviously going to give his brother a handout or his brother law whatever. So there's no way of competing in Mexico. And what do these people do? Well, they flock to the United States. Well, the only way I guess you could say the only way of competing in Mexico is through bribery yeah. and, and
0: becoming friends with the with the public officials.
1: It's totally corrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, Mexico knows exactly what it's doing. I think they're the government down there is part of the problem. They are totally aligned with the cartels down there,
0: so which I think is another reason why we need borders. Yeah, for the cartels and the drug trafficking, and it and will
1: definitely deter crime from coming back up here. Yeah, which the crime affects people in Latin Latin America or. Hispanic communities here in the United States. That's where most of the crime from Mexico and Latin American countries occurs is in our own communities and building a wall will deter that. I think it would also deter uh, human trafficking. It will deter drugs being smuggled in, in the country. It will deter people from actually risking their lives from crossing that r- river or desert to come to the land of fruit and honey. Mm.
0: Uh yeah, I, I mean, my only uh, argument to that is like um, like El Chapo. He, you know, he's famously uh, a drug trafficker, and uh, famously in that he was a very successful drug trafficker. And his big thing was tunnel building, and they would build huge tunnels underneath the ground. And I don't, I don't know how much a wall would stop that. And he was the most profitable one. Like they had figured that out. I think that's what like policing or like drones would do. You put more men on the ground and they can go in there. Uh, Like I, like I'm not entirely opposed. Like I don't think that the, the idea of a wall is racist. I think that's absurd. (laughs) I, I, yeah, it's, I mean, Bill
1: Clinton wanted to build a wall uh, and, and Hillary Clinton wanted to build a wall. They all were talking about immigration reform. No one accomplished anything while they were in how many years in government? Yeah. And now one man comes in and actually, gets it done
0: yeah well i mean i i would say he was more successful at getting that more of the wall at the southern border built than i thought he would and like in my personal opinion i thought that you know no one would want it and they've put up sections i mean they've rebuilt some stuff what's really interesting too is the uh private uh reaction to it and there's been a couple uh, companies coming up and just like we'll build it we'll put it up and,
1: and they're doing it Privately, Yeah. The free market will provide, I yeah. think there was a GoFundMe page that a mm-hmm. lot of people donated to, to build the wall. Um, but I do believe that if he is reelected, I don't think he's going to leave office without completing that yeah. campaign promise. Yeah. Um, so,
0: I mean, you clearly plan on voting for him in the next election coming up.
1: Uh, n- n- no, I'd rather nope.
0: not say who. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I, I I'm still undecided whether or not I'm actually going to vote personally um i
1: (laughs) i would encourage you to
0: yeah uh, you know i am really i feel very disillusioned by government i didn't vote in the last election either like i'm one of the reasons i guess people get (laughs) angry at me when i say that you you made hillary lost yeah (laughs) yeah exactly which the thing is i wasn't going to vote for hillary if i would have voted i wasn't going to vote for her anyway how dare you yeah yeah i probably would have voted third party i'm political you must hate women (laughs) yeah right no totally well actually i really like tulsi gabbard i was i'm a big fan of hers oh yeah yeah no huge fan of tulsi gabbard uh and and, you know there's a lot that in in terms of her foreign policy she aligns with trump on and and i'm willing to admit that with trump that like yeah that's great um but yeah there's other differences i you know and i I I think most people nowadays they vote based on single issues, something they really care about, and then that's person's position on that single issue. Like totally, if, yeah.
1: I was at a gay bar the other day. Yeah, and this gay man was like, "I'm voting for Pete Buttigieg." Yeah, you think, I'm like, "Why? Because he's gay?" And he's like, "Oh, totally." <laughs> and I'm like, "You you've got to be kidding me! Th- that's the only reason you're voting for someone, honestly, based on personal." Po- what is it identity politics, Mm -hmm. but they're so ignorant. They won't even look at the issues around them. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. Uh, I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, which I
0: probably shouldn't be in today's day and age, but, um, (laughs) I voted for Obama twice. And if anything, the two major reasons why I voted for him is because he spoke really well and he was black. Oh, I was
1: just about to say that. Yeah. Was it because he was black? It was.
0: (laughs) I mean, I felt like it send a good message to America that like black people can succeed and I'm okay with a black person being president. I'm okay with a black person, you know, being in power above me as an individual in this society. Like I felt like it was a good message for America.
1: And you're aligned with political correctness. Yeah, I was totally. I'm so anti-political correctness. And I think that's one of the reasons why people don't take a liking to me right away sure they don't understand that about me how can they latino um gay man be this way mm-hmm. and vote, re- vote conservative or support the conservative party conservative values and when i say this thing which might some people might find controversial i think obama was a black thug i think he totally was i mean he bombed countries relentlessly People didn't bat an eye. But now that because Trump is talking about foreign policy, it's like, Oh my God, we're gonna go to World War Three yet they forgot about Obama's reign of terror. I think Obama's... Um, the one thing, though, is, is he was very articulate,
0: and he knew how to talk to people to... A total puppet. What do you mean in terms of he was a puppet for the establishment or for the military-industrial complex? Absolutely.
1: Sure. his strings were pulled. I think right. he knew how to play the media as well. He knew how to dance around them. He, sure. I will give you that. He was a very well-spoken individual. Um, as far as Fast and Furious... Yeah. The operation to run arms down to Mexico. Mm -hmm. Total disaster. Absolutely. Complete failure. Yeah. I think he should be ridiculed for the rest of his life for that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't necessarily hate
0: Obama. I do think that there were uh, a lot of... My one complaint about him would be that he was so well-spoken that it uh, masked a lot of the fucked up shit that he was a part of. Um, And... And... That's I mean it was pretty fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I, well, even the, the, the he got sued towards the end of his uh, administration for losing something like 10,000 children. 10,000 immigrant children because they had those facilities.
1: Oh, the cages. Yeah. Yeah. No, the (laughs) The, cage. Well, the leftover cages that Trump is
0: responsible for. Which let's give credit where credit was due. Those were set up by Ronald Reagan for during those laws or during those days. They, that's, you know, the last time we've ever had immigration reform in the country was during Ronald Reagan's administration. And that's what they set up. They set up these, uh, camps for kids and and for families at the border for people who were caught crossing. and that's another thing too is uh, and it's another problem that nobody they never talked about in the major media is that there are children they just find like a lone child yeah. crossing the border by himself. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they're like, what do we do with this person? Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of those <clears throat> camps, those kids in cages camps were. And I mean, when Obama, or when uh, Trump became president, he, he did the whole family separation thing for a bit. Um, and, and that's a whole complicated matter. Uh, clearly everybody did not want to see that happening, but it's also a good argument that there, it was a loophole to traffic people. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause if you have a child with you, you know, they just let you, let you go. I think now they're in a better position because they're doing DNA testing of families and they're monitoring them and they're like, okay, this is an issue that we need to look out for. Um, so necessarily we don't have to separate every family, but maybe, you know, we should start looking at this a little bit closer. Um, that's a lot of my problem and why I've sort of had this slight, uh, I'm, more of a moderate in terms of politics myself, but since I've met you, I've definitely had a paradigm shift where it's a little bit more right-leaning. Uh, another another reason why I feel that way too is if you look at the, um, the social assistance programs in the 60s and the, in the 70s, um, a lot of that, uh, the welfare system, like we would only give you welfare if there was no father in the home And the police actively went out and arrested families who were breaking this law. And it incentivized people to live in broken families. And I think we're still feeling the effects of that today, the negative effects. And I think it devastated generations of minority and poor families.
1: Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of factors. Yeah. I've met people who do abuse the welfare system. It happens. um, And... There needs to be something done. Also, in terms of immigration, mm-hmm. once Republicans start talking about abolishing that system, the welfare system that is, then I don't so, have to debate anyone about immigration. Anymore.
0: So you don't think that there should be like a social social safety net for uh, people in society who are like in bad positions, like poor people, maybe someone like someone who was fired from their job or disabled people.
1: It should be used as a stepping stone. I don't think people should live off of the government plantation. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not what it's meant for. I do. I believe that people who are in wheelchairs can't work for themselves should have a social safety net. Yes, of course. I Yeah. But then at the same time, there are people who will always abuse that system and their, their, their lives a problem.
0: Um, that was one thing that I thought was interesting about Andrew Yang is that he wanted to, uh, include your benefits into that thousand dollars a month that he wanted to give everybody. So if you currently received benefits from the state, it would be deducted from the, uh, from the, uh, what is it called? What's his, uh, IB? It's, a uh, the thousand dollars a month he wants to give everybody i can't remember
1: i, uh, I remember his uh, proposal there and I, I must say the dnc really screwed him over yeah <laughs> they yeah did not allow him to talk in the debates
0: but what he was saying was that it would sort of uh incentivize people to move off of welfare because they would then get the money because right now what a, b- a big part of the problem is is that you're on all these welfare programs uh, It's really hard to get off of them because once you get off once you get a job You lose all of these benefits and then it becomes Incredibly expensive to get things like health care and check, you know pay for child care things like that Which is something that the state provides for so you need to get a really good job in order to start making up for all the things that you're no longer getting from the state. So you sort of put these people in this stuck position of like, I always, I'm only going to make just enough to where I can get government assistance because it, it's the leap to get to the next level is too difficult. Um, and I thought that what was interesting about Andrew Yang and he, he was saying this would help with the leap. It would incentivize people to get off of the social programs and then they get their uh, UBI or universal basic income. Um, and I thought that was an interesting idea, but I think it's still too early. I don't think America was ready for something like that, but
1: I don't think it ever will be. Uh, although the the UBI uh, idea sounds great and all, mm-hmm. I personally think it sounds like utopia. The government cannot. I mean, where where does he think the whole, the mon- the money would come from? That is my question. I think the left has this warped idea concept of money. Um, Plus, not to mention the government has a spending issue. So then he thinks that giving $1,000 to every American citizen would solve everything. Okay, great. Who's going to pay for this?
0: Well, I think a lot of the... Every time he was asked that question, he would basically say he wanted to put a tax on Amazon or a tax on um,
1: uh, machine. 1%.
0: I mean, not necessarily one percent, but no, his his whole thing was about taxing uh, electronics or or taxing um, uh, technology that gets rid of jobs. So like if you uh, we would tax companies that uh, replace manpower with machines um, and that would make up for the loss of jobs or the loss of income from from them advancing technology. That was his whole idea. So like they'd, they'd, uh, uh, tax places like Amazon or uh, technology companies like Facebook and things like that. Tax like, uh, data exchanges when they're, uh, selling your data to other companies, they'd put some type of tax on it and that would is where the UBI money would come from. I don't know how realistic it really was, but that was like
1: his answer to all that stuff. Um, I can tell that he's coming from a great place in his heart. He wants to yeah. help the American people. I get it. Um, who isn't? Um, uh, but at the same time, if he was, I'm not sure what his immigration stance was. Most of them were open borders, pro open borders. But if you want to import more low skilled labor into the United States, how do you expect those who are already in that situation to advance if you're importing more of it? to this society
0: yeah it's interesting i really do think that uh slavery still exists in america um even though it has been abolished uh, it is very much in in the uh current immigration system that we have like most not most but most of the slaves in america nowadays are uh illegal immigrants who can't go to the police when they're in bad situations i mean they're easily exploited people um i think there's a lot of organ harvesting that not a lot but i think that that does happen they're interesting yeah they're they're vulnerable people in american society because it, they would be the best people to pick on because who were they what are they going to do go to the police they're not going to go to the police like you, you've got these super vulnerable people. I mean, a lot of times what ends up happening is those people end up uh, going to like gangs and, and things like that for policing, um, which is, uh, yeah, I
1: don't know. It's a really
0: that, horrible problem.
1: That is unfortunate. I do think that the problem does originate in their countries though. I mean, we have, what year is it? 2020 and we have cell phones in our hands anyone let's say someone in brazil someone in the slums of of brazil has a cell phone they own a cell phone in the slums a guy two two kids one kid is using that cell phone to learn how to speak english He's reading articles. He's, uh, what else, learning math. He's mm-hmm. using a cell phone for these things. And then the other kid is using this cell phone to go on TikTok and make funny videos, mm-hmm. r- learn how to rap while he's scratching his belly button. So there's these two dynamics in, in, in countries where people have this um, advantage at, in their hands, yet it, it all re- relies on the human brain and what that individual decides to do they can decide to stay in poverty or they can decide to, um, face resiliency and try to succeed in life, try to survive, try to do something with their life.
0: Yeah, no, I, I do think that they there. You can't harm people, by telling them that because they're downtrodden
1: they're you know fucked in life there's that's that's a thing with bernie sanders i don't understand this view with telling poor people oh you're so your your situation is so fucked up that i need to come and have big government help you because you can't do it for yourself
0: yeah uh i'm coming from a place too from i was i mean i'm pretty fat right now i'm trying to lose a lot of the weight that I've gained in the last six or seven years. But, um, at one point in my life, I was like 320 pounds. I was like very overweight, like probably 150 pounds overweight. You should come to the gym with me. Yeah. I I, I started going to the gym this week.
1: So I used to be overweight too. Yeah. Mark. And I, I don't know. One day I woke up and I was 200 pounds, I think. Yeah. And I thought to myself, what the hell is going on? And, I then started going to the gym. Mm-hmm. I just did it religiously and I dropped the weight. I, th- I thought to myself, wow, this is incredible. Um, <clears throat>
0: you know, I, I, so I lost all the weight because I was um, trying to give blood. I was trying to give plasma and they deferred me because my heart rate was like 180 over 100 which is like an astronaut. I was like 26 at the time. It was astronomically wow. high. And the first thing she said to me was, we need to get you on medication as soon as possible.
1: Oh, see, there's another problem. They want people on medication. Yeah.
0: And I was at a crossroads in my life at that point. Like I had made a decision. I was like, you know what? I could jump on all these drugs or I could do what I know I'm not doing. And, and I could give that a try first. Totally. Yeah and i lost like 100 pounds within a year that's awesome and my heart rate was at a normal level within six months
1: that's awesome yeah
0: and it was just from diet and exercise i salute you yeah well i'm starting that journey again i didn't get quite that fat this time but i am the fattest i've been in probably eight or nine years
1: i'm serious you can definitely come to the gym with me anytime yeah i'll give it what gym do you go to I go to two gyms. Yeah, <laughs> Anytime Fitness and Capital Fitness here in Madison.
0: My biggest problem is I hate exercise. I can't stand it, so I have to. So I I have to do something like an activity. So um I the way I lost a bunch of that weight before is from Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, cool. which is just a martial art. It's like wrestling, um, essentially, but with pajamas on. And I. I started doing that again. We'll see if I stick to it. I'm, I get really lazy. Um, but this time, what's nice, because the school I go to, the instructor there, he's awesome. Um, but I went there about a year and a half ago to start training again. I was like, I'm going to, you know, get my shit together and lose all this weight. And he let me train there for two months, and he didn't charge me anything. Nice. Like all two of those months. And um, But eventually I fell off, and I just stopped going. I had something come up and I just had good excuses to not show up. So this time I made sure that like I signed up for a year of it. I cool. was like, I, you know, we need to do this shit like a marriage. Like we need to make this legal, get the law involved. Like I need to <laughs> like stick into this thing.
1: It's all about progress, not perfection.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, totally. Um, and, so, yeah, I'm going on that journey right now. Um, but I to relate that back to what we were talking about, if I was in that place in my life and uh, I was fat and people were just telling me that I should just be accepting and happy for who I am instead of learning how to make the appropriate changes in my life to become what I wanted to be, you know, instead of being broke, have money. Instead of being fat, you know, get, get in shape. I, I would have never... M- you know, had that amazing experience in my life. I would have, I would have just, uh, so I completely agree with you that some people, they just can't make that switch in their mind to learn new information and to stop being poor and to stop being overweight and to, and to stop being stuck in, the, in those the victim mentality.
1: Yeah. That's a lot of it to, where you need to blame everyone but yourself. Yeah. And you can't do anything about it. And you can't face resiliency to, to succeed in life.
0: You know what I've really noticed, especially in today's age, is the most people, the people who are the loudest about their victimhood are usually the fakest victims. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. I agree. It's there, usually the, um, cause there are real victims. There are, there are, and there are people who horrible things have been, or happened to, but they're not the people that are out there yelling
1: at the top of their lungs about stuff. For the most part. They're the ones out there creating change, uh, creating nonprofits, mm-hmm. going out there and doing something in the community to change that traumatic event in their life. Absolutely. Instead of being a, uh, a self-proclaimed communist in Starbucks, drinking a Starbucks coffee while you're in your laptop complaining about capitalism.
0: Yeah. They're, you
1: know, they have a trust
0: fund and their parents have taken care of them. They don't know true... Uh, Do you know who that Carlos Maza guy is? Do you know who he is at all? He sounds familiar. Wasn't he
1: that luxury? See, socialism is a rich people's disease. I always say that. Yeah.
0: Um, he just kind of got exposed, I think, yesterday or today.
1: For living a luxurious yeah. style. His, lifestyle? Yeah, his I parents know
0: pay is. for his rent. But he's like, he he was the guy who created the last adpocalypse on YouTube where oh, yeah. Stephen Crowder was calling him a wispy fag. <laughs> and then he got upset and uh, basically put this article out smearing all these YouTubers and it resulted in all of these people losing ad revenue. Oh really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, but recently he, on Twitter, he released the, uh, home, Information or showed pictures of the home of some right-leaning person. I don't really know the exact details of it, right? But um, in retaliation for that, someone released his the details of his home information, like what his home looks like and like pictures from inside of his house. And
1: it's a and, sick world. Ma. Yeah, it's a sick world. People are well, sick.
0: <laughs> you know what's even crazier about it is that guy got banned off of Twitter, but Collar's Maz's post about the the right-leaning person is still up there. That doesn't um, shock me at all. Yeah, yeah. It, it's an interesting world. And, and the thing, too, is like, as someone who didn't vote Republican in the last election and I'm probably not going to vote Republican in this election, that's still very troubling to me. Like, that's still very concerning that, you know, these people, there's clearly a, a bias in in the technology world, in the technology sector, Um which is interesting, too, because there didn't used to be, because that's one of the ways Donald Trump became president as he was so savvy about Facebook and about online advertising because it was cheap as shit and you could hit way more people. So he invested and Republicans have understood that for a very long time, only because they've been shut out of the mainstream media for such a long time. <clears throat> So they've had to use other avenues to communicate their ideas to people. Like the meme war. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Things like that. That was a real thing. And I mm-hmm. think conservatives should pat themselves on the back. They're still crushing it. They're brutal. <laughs> yeah. And and there's no funny
0: or good liberal memes.
1: There isn't. They can't meme and they need to work on that. If, yeah. if a Warren supporter wants to... Um, or a Bernie supporter wants to win this cultural war, they need to step up their meme game.
0: Yeah. Well, they're losing
1: young people. They are. Um, Well, I I don't know about that. I think millennials are leaning towards the left every single day. And before we started this, we were having that conversation. Mm -hmm. My grievances with the conservative party, leans with groiper types the uh, nick fuentes types of, yeah of the party where that's fine they they have legitimate arguments i i i but they also are horrendously racist and and uh
0: anti-semitic too in a lot of ways as well like openly nick fluentes for sure th- th-
1: for instance they don't want to um talk about how their views are driving young millennials like myself to vote for the lunatics like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren because they call gay people who want to join the Republican Party sodomites, this and that. They need to understand that this is a culture war and they are not winning this by driving people away from the Republican Party. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I watched, uh, yeah, I watched Charlie Kirk, uh, that culture war. They had that um, gay black guy and uh, Nick Fluentes sent an army of people
1: there of to crash groups. it. And one, cr- one guy asked um, the black guy, the black gay man, how, uh, how is gay sex uh, conservative? Yeah. And if I was there, I would have said, well, sir, it's not. It, it's definitely not. I think what happens in the uh, privacy of one's bedroom shouldn't be anyone's business. Mm-hmm. But at the same time you know, I would ask him three per- or two questions. I would say, would you legalize drugs? If his answer would be no, I would say, okay, let's move on. To, let's move on tonight to my second question. Would you legalize prostitution? And if his answer would still be no, I would say, great. Well, guess what you are, uh, uh, your views are driving. Pe- if I can prove to this individual that his views are driving people to the left to vote for the psychotic individuals like Bernie Sanders, to vote for socialism in this country, would you reconsider your views? That's what I would ask him.
0: Yeah. Um, well, that's an interesting question. So as a gay man yourself, have you experienced a lot of negativity from conservatives by like sort of like moving into that environment in your life? Have you seen a lot of, have you gotten a lot of pushback from people about it?
1: I haven't had any pushback. We've had debates before about yeah. it. And um, there are some things that I I do agree with conservatives. I don't necessarily believe in gay marriage. Yeah. I find that to be as it's more of a brotherhood of man. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this in the gay culture, there's this dominance thing with two men being in a relationship. There's always this fight to be more dominant than the other one. And I just, uh, that's why the culture is so messed up. Uh, some I'm not trying to generalize this, but some relationships in the gay culture, they open it up to a third person, mm-hmm. and I find I just find that more repulsing. Yeah, it's repulsive to me every single. Day. Personally, I'm, an,
0: I'm a monogamous person. I can't be in a relationship with someone who's seeing other people. I, I as a younger person, I thought maybe that would be something I was interested in, but as I got older and I was in situations like that, I realized I hate it. It's not me. It's not who I am. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of down that boat. But uh, it's a tough... The world is tough, Alex, because I don't necessarily agree with polygamy, but I'm not going to hate someone for being in a polygamous relationship. I just don't want to be involved in it, much in the same way that I'm not gay. And, like, I... I don't want to be in a gay relationship, but I also don't think that I have any say or I don't even give a shit enough to impose that on other people. Like, I don't want everyone to be like me. I don't want everyone to be straight, if especially if they don't feel that way. So, but um, there can be some repercussions for things like that.
1: I agree. I, I don't want to date. Yeah. I'm 24 years old, and right now I don't want to date anyone. Yeah. I think I'm trying to... I'm trying to focus on myself. Yeah, and um, we also had this discussion beforehand. How um, I joined AA. Yeah, and I found that's God. awesome. Yeah, we were talking about that, and you were talking to me how you like you're
0: sponsoring a couple people, and
1: I'm taking guys through the steps. It's a, it's quite an honor. I feel more of, uh, of of I feel useful to people. Yeah, when I'm in this program, I was given this gift. Um, when I was desperate enough for it, I was I was given this gift of desperation where I just didn't, I wasn't happy with my life. Mm -hmm. I was miserable. Um, I just got out of a bumpy relationship. Um, you know, I was smoking a lot of pot back and I was drinking a lot too. Those were just sedatives. I was just, that was a symptom
0: of what was really going on. You were just trying to mask the feelings you were feeling. You didn't want to actually feel what was going on in your life.
1: Exactly. And who wants to be miserable and not get high or get drunk? Right. And so I was suffering from what's called a spiritual malady. Yeah. And I was sick. I was a sick person. And so I walked into AA because I, the seed was planted a long time ago when I was 18 and I walked back in when I was 24. And so then I, I quit the drugs. I quit the alcohol. I stopped, I gave it all up. And soon enough, I, I think I found God. Yeah. I was, I was raised Catholic, but I don't belong to any Catholic church. Mm -hmm. I just believe that there is a higher power that is doing something for me that I, that no man or human aid can do for, for me. And so where I was going with this is that, yes, you're right. This is a sick world, but I find hope when I take guys who are so desperate. One of my sponsees is a former heroin addict Mm -hmm. And he quit it all. He's living in a homeless shelter, one that I actually volunteer at sometimes. And I'm um, t- going to take him through the steps. I'm going to give him this gift that was given to me. And uh, I hope that he has the same metanoia that I experienced. What's that? I don't know what that word means. A change of perception, um, a different view in, in the world. Um, I, I've They've become more spiritual, just like I did. Yeah. Do you think that
0: AA really, that's, it's kind of like your church
1: at this point? Um, so, you know, the arguments that I hear for AA are, is that it's a cult. Yeah. Well, it's not a cult because cults demand for your, demand your money. They ask for your money. They um, hold you, they, they require you to do stuff that you don't want to do. And plus there's a leader. Yeah. There are no leaders. We don't govern an AA. Um, it's based off of uh, attraction rather than promotion. And we don't beg for anyone's money. We just suggest that you donate to the meetings to um, pay rent. Yeah. That's it. Um, so, no, it's not a cult, if anyone is wondering. No,
0: Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's a cult, but, uh, I mean... <clears throat> is it you, a church? I don't would you consider it your church? Like, is it your substitute for church in your life? It doesn't necessarily have to be a church.
1: No, it's not a substitute for a church. Yeah. It's more of a, uh, gathering. Sure. Uh, it's a meeting. That's yeah. what it is. We go there and we actually, I go to this meeting on Monday nights. Every Monday night I, I, I try to make, make, to make it to this meeting. It's called DAA drug addicts anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I look at it as sponsorship school. We all bring our big book, our big AA book, and we read out of it and we go around the rooms and we share our experience, strength and hope. And it's sort of like sponsorship school. We learn how to take people through the steps. We learn how to basically, you know, Mark, if people, if everyone went to these meetings, I think the world would be a better place. Yeah, I do think so. I, I, Dude, I think so much
0: what we are missing in today's age is a meeting place for people to like get together in person and like, you know, appreciate the same thing together instead of these like internet bubbles that we're all creating.
1: And it's everywhere. Just look at our government with Nancy Pelosi. The rumor is that she's drinks. She's an alcoholic. And then I do think that the president needs Al-Anon. I think that Nancy Pelosi needs AA. I mean, yeah. Look at that dynamic right there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We're, I mean, America, we are into drugs. We use drugs. And I don't even mean just illegal drugs. I mean, pharmaceutical drugs like that's our number one solution to most of the problems in the world that's where i
1: was heading yeah uh, with drugs Mm -hmm. even though i did them to relieve the pain that i was having inside i still don't think that we should ban them just because i was harming myself for it right do you but you don't think that doing those drugs
0: alleviated any of the pain you were feeling they just i'm I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but would you say that they more just pushed them aside so you didn't actually have to deal with them at the time?
1: It did give me relief for a while, but yeah. then it's, the, the effects stopped working. Mm-hmm. So then I was just miserable and using drugs. That's it. Yeah. And so then where I was heading with that is that um, with conservatives, when they talk about uh, keeping them illegal and not wanting to um, legalize them, it, it makes no sense to me because I'm testimony to that keeping things banned isn't going to prevent people from sick people from doing drugs. Yeah. Look at uh, prohibition and the twenties. And then now the whole argument with uh, some people on on the right is that we need to ban porn because yes, I do agree that it's a big factor in sex trafficking, but at the same time, it's going to be the same thing. There's going to be an underground where people want to find more porn. I, I go
0: back and forth on legalizing prostitution from day to day, because there are times where I'm like, "Oh yeah, I think that they probably should legalize prostitution," but then the next day I'm like, "Oh, but there's so many horrible consequences to that." Um, uh, drugs too. Um, I don't necessarily think they should be legalizing all drugs across the board. Um, I think uh, a good start is is decriminalization of a lot of drugs. And maybe, um, not, not throwing people in jail for having possession of the drugs, but we should be putting people in jail who are making the drugs, um, more than anything. Um, but I don't think that heroin should, heroin should be readily available in the store for people to just go pick up and buy or, or cocaine for that matter. Um. I, but I do feel that way about weed. I do think you should be able to go to the store and buy weed. I think you should be able to go to the store and buy, um,
1: you know, less
0: serious drugs. Interesting.
1: It, yeah. I mean, to me, marijuana and heroin, honestly, they're the same thing. I think
0: they're completely different.
1: Okay. There's no way. Technically, yes, they are different. To me, they're completely the same thing. Someone's going to use pot. Uh, someone's going to abuse pot or abuse heroin for one same reason. That's the same reason that I was using pot for.
0: Right, but I would say, you know, nobody has robbed a liquor store to get a bag of weed before,
1: whereas there's been a lot of liquor
0: stores robbed for
1: heroin. I beg to differ. I've, I have i Know someone who once robbed a liquor store? Yeah, or their own alcoholic um, tendencies for for alcohol. Yes, for alcohol. Not for weed, though. But you have to understand that it's just all the same symptom. It's all the same symptom. And I'm talking in terms of not someone who uses it recreationally, someone who abuses pot like I did, sure, or someone who abuses alcohol.
0: Yeah, they have an addictive personality, or they have a. a a side of them who becomes addicted to specific substances. Yeah, no. I mm-hmm. completely. Um so do you think that you do you think it's better to just have completely clean living and and take in no drugs? Um that's always one thing I think is interesting about talking to people in AA yeah. is um like everyone smokes cigarettes at AA, right? Yep. And they drink coffee. Yeah. And like, those are clearly drugs. Yep. They're just of less severity than something like alcohol or heroin or all that other stuff. Um, chocolate is a drug, mm-hmm. you know, and you can get addicted to it and get fat as shit. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> like there's, I I do think that there's addiction issues in, in the world. I, I just don't. No, and that's the problem too and there's a, a, a I don't like promoting that to people who are in AA programs or like talking about how, oh, you know you you know coffee's a drug or cigarettes are a drug because I feel like I'm sort of in some way, playing devil's advocate to derail them off of what I actually think is a great path for them to be on. Like if someone wants to live clean, I'm like, that's beautiful. That's perfect. You should do that. Mm -hmm. For the most part, I don't ever drink. I'm pretty, you know, I'm not really into, I was never into alcohol. I think the worst I ever was with drinking alcohol is I would drink like maybe three nights a week. Um, and I'd have like three or four drinks. Uh, and that was when I was, I was doing comedy. So I'd be at open mics and you're just at a bar anyway. So I'll just have drinks and, um, but quitting when I, when I just was made the decision to not drink, I it wasn't hard for me at all. I just decided to not do it. Smoking is different for me though. Like I still smoke cigarettes and it, yeah, I definitely have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that different people just have different issues with different substances. They, 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 react to people in different ways.
1: I I think the, um, what consider what I consider someone an alcoholic is, um, the threefold aspect, Mm -hmm. which is the mind, the body, and then the spirit. I think that anyone can walk around, but they don't have to sedate themselves with alcohol. They could still walk around and, um, feel a spiritual, um, have a spiritual disease. They Mm -hmm. can still have that spiritual malady. But they don't have to, so they, so they, or drink themselves to death. What requires you to be an alcohol is the mind, the obsession part of it. That I need to drink more. I need to drink more. Yeah. And the body, the, the, the what's called the craving, the phenomenon of craving, which each time you ingest alcohol, that phenomenon of craving develops, and then you the mind becomes a roller coaster which makes you want to drink more and more and more. Yeah. I think those are the the requirements to become an alcoholic. But for me, you know, I just because I quit, just because I live sober now doesn't mean that I want to legislate these things and yeah. um, I I don't want to ban people from drugging themselves or or, or anything like that. I think that you, I believe in freedom. I believe in liberty. And if I believe you should have the liberty to drug yourself if you want to in this country. And I don't think that you should be punished for it. I think that you should also have the freedom to find out the hard way like I did on um, letting go of those demons. People aren't going to figure out how to walk unless they can fall first. Nicely said.
0: Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it's interesting, too, is I would I would check all those boxes for food. Mm -hmm. Like the sensations of cravings and, you know, constantly just needing more and and having no off button. I totally lived that way for most of my life until I was probably like 26. I'd be ordering Domino's every night of the week too.
1: I was eating, I was Mark, I was shoving my face once I, when I first got sober, I had a year clean and i my man my disease manifested itself in other ways and people warned me about it but i didn't give a shit and i wasn't really spiritual at all my faith was pr- pretty poor mm-hmm. and so it manifested into food and i was shoving my f- my face with food takeout all the time i was just eating anything you can think of and soon enough you know that the effects were off like food wasn't relieving me of that anymore yeah and then I it manifested into going to the gym. I was going to the gym at least three times a day. I was addicted to working out. And then after that, I went back to drugs. I think a lot of it just has to do with people don't know how to manage
0: habits, habit management, and like taking on habits that have positive effects on your life as opposed to negative effects. Like that's one thing that I've had to really learn growing up. Is is that i'm addicted to habits i'm addicted to having something that i can do every day and something that i get really really into and what my challenge in life is is directing myself in the direction of good habits in in the direction of doing things that are healthy for me as opposed to super unhealthy for me like i know when i get into something I get into it. I'm all about it. It's everything to me. Like if I'm interested in something and that's one thing is, uh, I had a lot of trouble in school growing up too, because I just, I wouldn't care if what we had to learn, like I love learning. It's one of my favorite things, but only if it's something I'm interested in. And I think that's just a part of who I am. Um, and if I'm going to be that person, I need to make sure that I'm I'm setting myself in the right direction. In a positive one because I praise it, that Yeah what well, can go negative real
1: fast <laughs> Sure can <laughs> it, it I think has, this is a good habit here You have some A really nice studio here Yeah thank you This is a great habit here to have is To put your time into something um, Worthwhile that makes you happy
0: I You know what I really feel like There's not enough Rational discourse Going on in the world That we live in Everyone wants to sit on Facebook And put their little blip out Of this thing that they yell about And there's no conversation Any one's having it's this it's not real it's completely fake it i I think most of the things that these people are posting they don't even believe like they're just doing it to get other people to like them to
1: get other people to notice them or appreciate them facebook is an illusion yeah and right now that's the game everyone is playing i'll admit i'll go on there and shit post yeah um that's all i do I, I, I got off of it for a year and I would say within the
0: last six months I've just kind of crept back into it but I hate it because the only thing I do is go on and log in and just talk shit to people and like I hate when people do that but I'm sitting there finding myself doing it I'm just like yeah I don't know I think there's something about Facebook that like promotes that or it, it's
1: promotes sickness, yeah. societal sickness mm-hmm. I agree with that
0: yeah, completely. There's also things that, you know, I've had a couple friends like you or like other people who uh, I've been able to keep in contact with, with them through that through Facebook, like I message you on Facebook to come here and things like that. Or I have other friends who I'll see them post like, oh, I, it's a beautiful day out, and they'll post a picture of the skate park. And they're like, I'd like to go. And, you know, I left a comment like, hey, let me know. I would go with you. That would be awesome. Things like that, it's great for Everything else, it's the worst thing ever. Like t- for a, a platform to have a political discussion on, it's atrocious.
1: It's, it is. I agree with that. I think it can also become another addiction. See? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we live in a sick world, Mark. But at the same time, politically, I think it's a great tool to spread the knowledge. It's also a great tool. Um, just people misuse it quite often. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I am a weird individual. I wish I could just go move into the woods and be away from society. It's not a bad idea. Right. But at the same time, I know that I'm a human being and we require human interaction in order to remain healthy so i know i can't do that if i want to remain sane and healthy and even progress in my life i need other people in my world to to tell me that i'm being stupid or i'm doing the wrong thing like because i'm not perfect i can't just do something and you know be a magician and create the greatest thing ever um, I, I need input from other people. So I'm constantly stuck in this world of, uh, I want to just be by myself. But at the same time, I acknowledge that I need other people in my life. Um, it makes life challenging sometimes. I don't know.
1: I agree. I think we are uh, humans of interaction or what's the saying? We, uh, we're mammals. We, we need interaction. Yeah. Yeah. For I, survival.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's the whole idea behind solitary confinement in a prison. It's a punishment where you have no interaction with anyone and you're just stuck in a little room by yourself. It, it's harmful to people. It hurts them. Um, they can, I mean, it can be helpful in small doses, I think to get, help you evaluate yourself. You know, if you're the only person you have to talk
1: to, it's easier to figure out how to get along with yourself. I keep saying this, but there are sick people out there. Mark. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, and just because I, I learned that I was sick mm-hmm. it opened up my eyes to this world. It, it really did. It gave me this change of perception where people are walking around with a spiritual malady and they don't even have to address it with drugs or alcohol. They can just walk around and, um, get this power trip by, you know, uh, using some altruistic movement like Anne Rand said once and using that for the greater good of humanity to enslave people. Yeah. AKA government. Yeah. Um, Just like the, uh, I was talking to you earlier about the Church of Scientology. Mm -hmm. I was down in Florida. Yeah, you went to Clearwater.
0: How did you? You so you had a friend there who was a Scientologist, and you went to visit him. Is that what happened?
1: Yeah, I know a Scientologist who lives in Florida. Well, he, I didn't go visit him. I visited another individual. I went down there, and um, he told me, "Oh, I'm joining the Church of Scientology." I said, "How interesting." He's working this workshop that's paid for by the Church of Scientology. So they pay him to attend these courses, these lessons, plans. He's learning Dianetics. Uh, this is the work of They're Ron Hubbard. They're paying him money? Yeah. Usually it's the other way around from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is the interesting part. The works of Ron Hubbard, who uh, was the founder of Scientology, mm-hmm. who, by the way, um, Uh, found it a lot of just, it was just this creepy thing. I I did my research in Clearwater. The mayor was fighting against them to buy the city of Clearwater. They, they literally bought the city. Yeah. No, they they, walk in Clearwater and it's, It's isolated. It's, it's a destitute of nothing. You walk around there, you know, you're being watched by cameras. And when you walk into the church, it's heavily secured. Everyone is smiling at you. It's like a requirement to smile at Yeah. They're dressed a certain way. They speak a certain way. They look at you a certain way. They're, it's a cult. I do believe it's a cult. Yeah, no, totally. I, I asked my friend. I said, "What made you want to join the Church of Scientology?" And he's still on the border line of joining and ditching the church. He understands that he even admitted to me that it is a cult. I think that he's sold on the idea that Dianetics can help him with his past traumatic episodes that he's had in life. Yeah. And not to mention, dianetics was used by the Nazis. Really, it was. And so then, which Nazis wasn't it? It had to, it was written after World War II, wasn't it? I think so. I someone told me about this. I may not be um, factually correct, sure. So don't quote me there. Um, but you know, it, maybe maybe
0: he took some ideas from. Well, I know a lot of dianetics is based on psychology, and or or um, like tricks that the Nazis developed to manipulate people for yes. sure. I know that's true that like a lot of stuff in dynamics were things that were developed by Germany during world war two to mass like mass hypnosis and like manipulate people.
1: The pseudoscience really got people hooked. They really yeah. think that human aid was the answer to everything. And I do think that's the church of Scientology is anti-God. Yeah. Um, they really have this, uh, they operate like the Gestapo. If you go with it down there and you walk with a sign that says, I disagree with the Church of Scientology, they will go after you.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a suppressive person. There, There's a doctrine in the Church of Scientology where if you are labeled as a suppressive person, they can
1: do anything
0: to take you out.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There was a story of a woman who, um, or actually the St. Saint, Saint Peter the St. Petersburg's uh, time, SPT, the newspaper down there once, um, wrote a, an article about them, and the Church of Scientology put them on their list of enemies. And they went after them, and they basically sued them. They slandered this paper. They did everything they could. It's like their own um, Saul Alinsky's, uh, or who is this guy, uh, uh, The Rules of Radicals. It's like their own playbook for that. They will do anything to destroy you. And what kind of... What kind of individual does that in the name of religion? Uh, well, you know, there's historically
0: there's been Catholics who have you know tortured people in the name of God. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Roman Empire was a disaster. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. There's a lot of horrible stuff. I, I have a very confused look on religion. Um, I really do think that. The term God is, uh, it's hard to have a debate with people about God because it means such a completely different thing to so many different people. Like I think you could ask 12 different Catholics, what is God? And all 12 Catholics will give you a different answer. I agree. It's this, uh, but at the same time, I have my own definition of God that I believe in. um, And I don't necessarily think that everyone needs to believe in the version that I do. Um, but yeah, I, I do believe in a God. Um, I believe that God exists. Um, I think that it might be the creator of the universe, universe, but I don't know. Um, but I wouldn't consider myself a Catholic. I wouldn't really consider myself even a Christian, but I do, uh, appreciate. I mean, I have a Bible. I I have the Holy Bible. I read it occasionally. I haven't read the whole thing. Excuse me. Um, but And I, I dig Jesus as a character. I have a lot of disagreements with what happens in the church and with how churches are ran, um, especially the Catholic church. I have a lot of issues with the Catholic church. Um, I would say the Catholic church is a cult. Um, like, personally, I would categorize it under that I don't think every Catholic is a horrible person just like I don't think every Scientologist is a horrible person
1: I think there's a guy named Leo Zagami who would agree with you who is he Uh, I think he's this Italian journalist yeah um, goes on Infowars sometimes uh, he talks about the Catholic Church and yeah. um, their wrongdoings, but I agree with you. I, I have my grievances with the Catholic Church. I grew up Catholic. I don't agree with everything that <laughs> they do. Excuse me, um, but I do have my own personal relationship with a higher power. Yeah, and that's one thing that in AA we uh, strive for. We tell everyone the only requirement to join AA is to have a, to find your higher power, and you don't have to believe what. I don't have to believe what they believe in. They don't have to believe what I believe in as just, long as it's something that will relieve them of yeah. their spiritual. Just malady.
0: the idea of, I I love the idea of just planning in someone's head. Hey fucker, there's something more important than you in the world. Just that is so important for people. And like, I think that's what a, that rule in AA really pushes on people and it's good is that, you know, you need to, you need to think about things other than yourself and how they affect you. You need, there's other important things, and that's what God is, I think, to a lot of people is it's the thing outside of themselves that's more important than, than themselves, because it's easy to get caught up in, in wanting the best for yourself because at the heart of that, that's what all of us want. But, you know, it can be detrimental to other people. We can end up harming other people.
1: Oh, absolutely. Our, self well, especially from personal experience, got me nowhere. Yeah. And once I joined AA and found a higher power, I turned my will over to this universe. You can call it the universe, whatever uh, this higher power that restored me to sanity. I turned my will over to this entity. Some, some Catholics would call it the spirit, the Holy ghost or whatever. Others would call it Christ. Some would call it Buddha, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it is. I think that whatever relieved me of that insanity that I was living in has worked thus far. Therefore, yeah. I think that my faith has grown tremendously. Do you think you could have gotten sober without AA? Um, no, because I needed to be taken through those 12 steps. Yeah, I needed that guidance in life. I think that's one thing that um, is
0: something that, the church does very well for people and it's something that is not offered anywhere else but from from religion and things like programs like A. I think AA might be one of the only things is, is a place for someone to go when they're lost like a uh, a lot of the funding for uh, the arts and for things like that through government is a, is purposeful is because we're losing religion. Um, Nietzsche said, you know, God is dead. And a lot of the reaction to that is to start pooling more money into the arts in order to distribute or disseminate knowledge to everyone in the culture, right? But what you don't get from that is a place for people to go to be like, I need help, I fucked up. Like, I can't, if I'm an alcoholic, I can't just go to the movie theater and get answers to know how i fix myself uh, and that's something that the church does amazingly well and it's a, a you know it's a place you can go to be surrounded by people who want to help you and who are on a positive path in life um, and that's interesting that i think that's awesome that aa provides that sort of outside of a church setting or, or like outside of a a strict religious setting where like, if you show up here, you have to be a Christian or you have to be a Muslim or you have to be a Scientologist or whatever. AA is sort of that place where you can go and be like, Hey, I, I need help and I fucked up, you know, please help
1: me. And then I can't even tell you the, the stories that I, I've or the people that I've encountered, Mark, where some of these tragedies are, mind-boggling i can't even relate to what some of these people have been through so they come in desperate for change because they're sick inside they're miserable they're borderline suicidal yeah and they come in and um they don't believe in god some of them are atheists i actually walked in as an agnostic i didn't know what to believe in but i knew that there was something out there that could help me that wasn't human aid and actually there's this page in my big book Um, page 45 and we agnostics of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. What's the big book? It's a Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. That's a, that's a big book. It's my second Bible. Okay. It goes like this. Lack of power was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. but where and where and how were we to find this power? Well that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. That means we have to we have written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral and it means of course that we are going to talk about God. Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new man and which and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. But his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. For when we have reopened a subject which our man thought he neatly evaded or entirely ignored, we know how he feels. We have shared this honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With the rejection, we imagine we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered. With the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond, our, beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, we even cowardly... We looked upon this world of warning individuals, warning theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked at scan, askance as at many individuals who claim to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it at all? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a starlight night, who then made all of this there was a feeling of awe and wonder but it was fleeting and soon lost yet we as agnostics temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. So there's that word, that willingness. I had to become willing to believe in something. Me too. I had that, I had that
0: same thing that happened to me. I, I, I was uh, aggressively atheist for most of my life. Since I was like 13, I, I really flipped. I'm, I was just a dumb kid, and I, I got kicked out of vacation Bible school, and um, it had an effect on me where I stopped believing in God because essentially the church kind of abandoned me, and um, I became friends with this kid who was a his parents were atheists and you know we had, had a great friendship with him it just really set me on this whole path of thinking anyone who was religious was stupid mm-hmm. i had that prejudice against people i thought that those people were dumb mm-hmm. and i was smarter than all of them and as i as i got older and and met people uh and had real interactions with religious people i realized i was ignorant and i was being an asshole like i was just being a jerk towards these people and i i had to have this conscious effort in myself to be like, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I should be willing to open myself up to the idea of, of God. And I would have a better understanding of the world. And even if I just wanted to win the argument, I needed to learn what other people thought, you know what I mean? And it, it may have started out that way, that i had that initial well if i'm gonna debate these people or if i'm gonna claim that i know this thing i should know the opposite side of the discussion and when i actually looked into it i was like oh i kind of believe in this stuff like i i get it i get what's so positive about religion Um, that's the thing too is uh, i think that the world has benefited from christianity more than anything I don't think it
1: was a net negative on humanity, which I used to think that. That's very profound. Thank you for sharing that with me, Mark. Yeah. That's actually quite inspirational. I, uh, I do feel an honor when I take guys through the steps and yeah. they have this ah moment of, oh my God, my life will get better from now on. Mm-hmm. It's such a It's such a humbling thing when I see these guys find God. Yeah. And uh, when I do that, I, I take them through the steps and we get, our, we get on our knees and we pray. There's this prayer in the AA book that goes like this, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me, to do with me as thou wilt, relieve me of the bondage of self. That bondage of self that so, for so long coerced my life in the wrong ways. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away the difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those that I may help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And you know what I think is such at the core of that prayer and, uh, and
0: Christianity as a whole is, the, is moving away from being so narcissistic about the world and thinking you're the most important person, your, your pleasure, your, your gratification is the most important part of, of life and your experience. And it's just not true. Oh, totally. And yeah. it's, it's a lie that people are perpetuating to each other. You know what the amazing part about it is? It is kind of true, but in not the way you would think. Like, the most important thing in society or for humanity, I think, is being around people you love and spending time with other people who, you know, enrich your life. Those are the, from the poorest person to the richest person in the world, we all want that. We want to spend time and we want to be around other human beings that we love being around. And it's, I, I think that that's, it is selfish you know what i mean it, it is it is about being selfish but you also you need to take care of the people around you that you love in order to be able to have that so it in some way yes we do need to be narcissistic you know but it to a point you need to you need to um be able to take care of yourself and your family in order to be happy. And if you're not, and, and that's the thing too, is like you, happiness doesn't necessarily mean you're having a good life just because you're being happy. Doesn't mean, or just cause you're happy. Doesn't mean you're, you're doing good things for the world. You could be happy and, you know, be an asshole and crushing the world around you. But
1: yeah, they're running on self. will that's why. Yeah. Because they, they think that being an asshole will make them happy. Yeah. In fact, you know, I thought the same things. I thought finding making pot or alcohol would be my higher power would make, would make me happy. When in fact, when I turned my will over to this higher power, which to this day I can't quite understand, but it's working. Mm-hmm. It's making me a lot more happier. Mark, I'm I'm the yeah. happiest I think I've ever been in my life.
0: I feel like when. I allowed myself to believe in God. There was a, a huge weight of anger lifted off of me.
1: Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. That is very interesting. How you are relieved of what I just said in the prayer, this bondage of self.
0: Yeah. Mm Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, I believe that there's more important things than, than me in the world. And I should be serving uh, the higher power
1: in, in the, the universe. If more people thought like that, I think that there would be less wars, less Probably. anger, less violence. But then, just like Edgar Tolle says, there is this collective, um, emotional mentality of of this unconscious. People are unconscious, therefore they just react instead of actually thinking. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an obsession with feeling.
0: Yeah, and I, I, you know, feelings are a weird thing. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what they are precisely
1: they are there right there's
0: this phenomenon i I have a theory that i think feelings are just sort of the uh, base level intelligence so it's kind of like just the immediate reaction to something Mm -hmm. so as we go throughout the world we sort of develop these uh, automatic uh, reactions to things in order to survive the world that we live in I think that's what feelings are. They're those base level, automatic, don't even have to think about it. You know, I've already experienced this. We set it in my brain. So when it happens, my brain goes, oh, remember this? You know, it's a signifier. It's like a pain signifier. You know, if your arm hurts, it means there's something wrong with your arm. Well, if someone hurts your feelings, it means something went wrong. And your body's trying to tell you, you know, this is a potentially painful situation we're putting ourselves in, or this is a potentially dangerous situation we're putting ourselves in. Um, but just because we have that doesn't necessarily mean that's true. The automatic systems in our body aren't always correct. And, you know, you need to have self-awareness of your feelings. You need to allow yourself to feel, but also have the wherewithal to, to, step back from those feelings and evaluate the situation and evaluate what's going on in order to make the correct s- s- the correct choice in life yeah
1: there's not a lot of emotional intelligence out there
0: no and there's no training for it
1: there isn't. There, there's no. nothing that teaches kids or people how to deal with their emotions. And I'm a product of public schools. We were never taught nothing. things. Nothing. Never taught how to file for taxes, this yeah. and that. Uh, we were taught algebra and what else? Oh, that w- women make 75 cents less than men. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a whole
0: sham behind I, I wouldn't say it's a sham, but I think that there, there's a lot that could be done to the education system in America to make it so that people are actually being educated instead of just being told what to think and what to do. Like it's a system set up to worship the government in a lot of ways. Yeah. Isn't that, <clears throat> isn't that something
1: yeah well thank you so much mark for inviting me
0: yeah no problem you gotta get out of here i do cool well Um, thank you so much for coming here yeah we just did an hour and a half i i really appreciate you uh you being here and this is my second one so i'm congratulations thank you yeah um uh alex ledesma everybody thanks a lot